The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. It is a T-Watts and TR edition of the BOL Pod. It is a Wednesday, October the 5th, 2022. Man, we've got so much to get into on this latest edition of T-Watts. And TR, first though, Tim Watts, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. Weather broke. Happy. My uh, internet's back up. So I had a little snafu yesterday. They keep cutting through my internet line while they're putting other companies, while they're installing uh, their products. So much better shape than I was yesterday. I'm fresh from that morning walk, Tim, you know, and I got the, the, uh, I got the hand weights incorporated, which I've said this before, it kind of scares the neighbors, you know, when you walk around with those hand weights. And I blame it on all these serial killer shows, man. You got all these people watching these serial killer shows, these shows, these documentaries, Dahmer most recently. I know I caught some grief on the roundtable about that. I only made it through uh, an episode and a half before I had to get back to, you know, things like Cobra Kai or maybe uh, Beat Bobby Flay. I couldn't hang in there with Dahmer, Tim. Uh, like uh, like uh, uh, Johnny uh, in uh, at the Outsiders, I had to look away when Pony Boy threw <laughs> up. You said that, when you said you didn't finish, and I'm like, go ahead, I'll look away. I was like, I can't, I can't even share the shame with you right now. Man, Dahmer! All but, I needed to see was that first episode. And I know I don't want to spoil too much, I but uh, I mean, we, we all kind of know how that went down. I, I need, I just need to see his ass get arrested. I wanted to see his crazy ass get apprehended, and I got that right from the outset. I didn't need to see anything else, Tim. It is, well, it is a well done. It's well done. That show is very well done. I mean, again, the subject matter is the question. If you don't mm-hmm. mind the subject matter, you're okay. But it's well done. I mean, the lead actor is one of my favorites, especially in a creepy role. He's in all the American Horror Stories. And, um, yeah, I had mixed reviews. The people that watched it and liked it really liked it. And then a lot of people said, nope, <laughs> no good like you did. Like, And I was on the fence. I had to get, you know, the first episode or two were really hard for me to get into. Um, but I thought the cast was good the way they did it all. But Netflix is going to take, they are just going to find any any murder and they're slinging it up in a, an alarming time. I mean, I killed my father. I killed my mother. I killed my son. I killed my daughter. I'm killing my neighbors. They are documentary every killer some of them are great some of them are overkill but this was a uh, show so to speak yeah documentary i thought they did a good job but i understand if you didn't want to finish it I yeah I, I just didn't need 10 episodes of it i guess you know what i'm saying um i agree it's it was well done the guys at next level of uh uh 
insanity. So it's brutal to watch. I mean, it's you really got to like be detached from it, you know. Episode and a half in, he is arrested finally, and uh, we get enough of a backstory on the the uh, the youth to kind of get an idea where this all pretty sort of came from. I'm good. I was good at that point. I'm pretty familiar with it. I've read up on him a lot. I've read up on several serial serial killers, especially the bigger names back in my twenties. Um, started with Charles Manson, but um, just sort of find it interesting for me. The Dahmer stories, you know, always comes back to. How didn't they, with the signs and people telling on him, basically, how did he never get, he went for so long is sort of what. I think some people in Milwaukee have some thoughts on that, you know, uh, in retrospect. But well, there's the one, there's the, we won't get into it any further. There's one case in there that's kind of blatant. Uh, yeah. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have went. It's the 14-year-old kid that he had shot stuff in his brain. Definitely. Well, we, let's get to football before we scare <laughs> I did like Summer of Sam. I mean, if we are going to yeah. talk serial killers, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. It's a good show. Spike Lee movie from uh, many, many years ago. I blame Dexter for starting this. This is basically an industry now that I draw back. I trace back to Dexter. And uh, hell of a show. Dexter's, you know, I was discussing this with some friends recently, and I was talking like, you know, when you look at some of our favorite characters, even, you know, Dexter – Tony Soprano, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Saul Goodman, Walter White, they really are some of the biggest piles of crap. In the not good people, world. no. That's what I would say if you look at it, and I'm not going to spoil any show if anybody hasn't seen it, but those are not good. Walter White was not a good guy. I mean, uh, uh, Saul Goodman, um, he, was not, he was not a good guy. You know, obviously Dexter wasn't a good guy, so it's pretty funny. Tony Soprano, I love the show, love the character, was not a good guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's funny. It's funny how that to me, that's a sign of a really well done show. They can make the uh, the, the villain your heroes. Let me ask you one last thing sort of on this topic before we get full fledged into sports. Is there an agreement in your house when it comes to Netflix or shows or things like that, Tim, where you can't watch uh, the show if your significant other or your uh, sons or daughter uh, are also watching it at the same time. Uh, in other words, there can't be like Netflix adultery, I guess you could call it, or things like that, where you're watching ahead or watching without your wife or family. I think there's shows that I know that that she wants to watch, so I wait to watch them with her. There's always, I mean, there's a million streaming apparatus. You know how much I watch, so I can always find something else to watch. Uh, sometimes I'll watch a show or test the waters to see if I think she'll like it. Um, mm-hmm. but we don't, you know, we, we never could get into this new political show called, uh, gas, Gaslit, which had Julia ran a really good cast. It was about Watergate. We just couldn't get into it. So, but they're, I always sort of test the waters if we're on the fence. Um, but yeah, I'll wait, I'll wait to watch shows with her. There's been shows I never saw during, especially like when you and I were building BOL, there was just there was just a decade of shows I missed. I mean, yeah. I never saw The Office live. I never saw Parks and Rec live. I never saw 30 Rock. There's a million shows. Uh, Mad Men, never saw a single episode live. So when we were doing, you know, the way we were doing it, plus I had a lot of kids who were young. You had young kids. Uh, you know, you remember how life was different with, you know, now they can put their own. We were, dude, we were in a cave for a while. Yeah, they, can, they can put their own, you know, it was for me, and I know for most, most, uh, Adults, but when they can pick their own breakfast, 
cook their own pop tart. He <laughs> <You know, laughs> was just like, "Oh my god, my kid's a genius, made his own pop tart." So, Eat from I, their own dog I, food bowl, you know. With I'll the go back and watch, yeah, I'll go back and watch a lot of those shows, especially during COVID, during the summer when there was really nothing to do. I, I saw a ton of shows, um, and then some of them we went back and rewatched with her, and she loved them. All right, so uh, we need to go ahead and acknowledge that we're thankful on this Wednesday that we should be able to get this entire podcast in, Tim, without uh, having a cut-in of an Aaron Judge at bat because Aaron Judge took care of the American League single-season home run record on Tuesday night. So we're not going to be preempted here on the podcast today. What, what do you think about that, Tim, with Aaron Judge? You know, it doesn't bother me. I guess I love baseball and I love sports enough, to be honest. I mean, um, I, I didn't appreciate when they cut in in the, in the uh, NBA playoffs with the OJ drive, mainly because he was just driving. And um, I've seen people drive before, so that kind of thing. But a guy coming up to bat, seeing three, four, five pitches, um, it doesn't bother me that much. If it was Olympics or anything else, it wouldn't bother me. A soccer goal that set a legend, it wouldn't bother me to break in. But I found it ironic because I was literally streaming around last night. You know, I was watching the uh, the Pelicans had their first NBA game. The Braves were clinching, and I was watching the Yankees game to see if Judge got it because they kind of dodged him all weekend. And I was up in the kitchen getting something, actually spilled something in the refrigerator, and came back, and they were giving him a standing ovation. I missed it, and I was like, what are the odds? Because I saw every at bat this weekend. I wasn't even watching them. I was like, "What are the odds of this of this happening?" So yeah, I'm happy for him. I I, I was a fan of him doing it. Um, and I and it was, is it the record to you? Is it the single season all time record to you, or is it still Barry? I mean, that's such a torn subject for me. I think Barry Bonds would have broke a record. Had he not did what he did, I still think that he'd have been in the 60s. I just think he was such a good hitter. But, I mean, it's still an asterisk beside all those guys, you know. Also, you know, back then that was, you know, I will say this about Barry Bonds. The guy was walked excessively, almost to the point of – Walked with the bases loaded. I mean, a lot. He was walked. This is one thing that always leads me from – disparaging Barry Bonds. He was walked to the point that I'm surprised he didn't chase somebody down and beat him with a <laughs> baseball bat. I would have been so angry. I mean, it wasn't that way. Remember Mark McGuire and Sosa, we had guys throwing balls up and grinning when they hit it out because they thought they were going to be part of history. Well, whoever threw the 64th home run, nobody remembers you. So great job. They were pitching to Aaron Judge this week. Mm-hmm. They pitching. They were walking him. They were pitching around him. Maybe they hit him. They were doing all that. But I mean, to me, it's the record, but I'm, it, it, it doesn't diminish anything about it. I think Barry Bonds, and I'm a Ken Griffey fan. Um, he's always going to be my favorite player, I think. Um, but, I, 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 I mean, Barry Bonds is the probably the greatest player of all time. It's Barry Bonds' record, and you, none of us have to like it, but here's the reality for me anyway, Tim. MLB was complicit, complicit with that era. They were in the. They were in it with them, you know. Just to say, well, we didn't know, or this or that, or whatever. No, MLB was complicit with what was going on. They loved it. Think about the mania with those guys that you mentioned: Bonds, McGuire, Sosa. That's why it's a joke to me that none of those guys are in uh, uh, Cooperstown. They should all be in the Hall of Fame too, because it was an era of baseball where the governing body 
was complicit with what was going on and what they were doing. That's that's the way I see it anyway. It is popular in America to go back, look back 30 years and say, hey, that was wrong. We're going to yeah. try to change it now. That's kind of what we're doing with baseball because you're right. I mean I, – I mean, there's it's not likely, but you really don't know who all. I mean, I'm I'm laughing thinking about this, but I guess <laughs> Craig Maddox could have in theory been a P, been on P, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, or Pedro, or you know, they, uh-huh. some of those guys. But they don't. We don't really know who was on PEDs and who wasn't. I think Roger Clemens was a great baseball player, regardless. I think Barry Bonds was a great baseball player regardless. I think Sammy Sosa was a good baseball player. I think McGuire was a good baseball player. But the other guys, most of those guys were great. You know, the ones we're talk, still talking about, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, some of those guys, they were great. And uh, I think they were great with or without the PEDs. And you're right, we never know who, you know, we don't, you're right, they let it go on, and we never actually knew who was and who wasn't. So we're kind of just subject to, to figure yeah, out. Yeah, or we're going to say the era didn't exist at all? Yeah, I, I mean, it was know. a fun era. I mean, I don't understand. You know, the oh, way- we were all tuned in, weren't we? Every I, night. You and I lived through it. So, I mean, I've talked to younger people who, who I, I'm insisting the world's getting dumber as I get older, as these generations. I think the IQ drops. But, I mean, that was a fun generation. We wanted to watch. I mean, we had Roger Clemens throwing a bat at Mike Piazza We in, in the Subway Series. We had... We had Jose Cinco. Are you kidding? He's like a cartoon character. Yeah. Fast as Grease Lightning. The Bash Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Fast as Grease Lightning. He was a monster. You know, we had so. Cannon for, for an arm. The yeah. Braves. I talk about this all the time. The Braves probably weren't as good, you know, but, you know, before that run in the 90s. But they their team had so much personality. We discussed it on the roundtable. But you had Phil Negro. You had so much personality on those teams. And uh, and I love baseball now, but it is more of a cookie cutter. It's like the NBA. When we grew up, NBA, they would shoot him, you know, like Jamal Wilkes. He would shoot him from completely behind his head. Everybody didn't shoot the shit saying. But now when you see, you know, the NBA, everybody except Ben Simmons shoots exactly the same way for the most part. So, <laughs> yeah, a buddy of mine was uh, he was more of a triple A guy as a pitcher, but he was on he got called up. He was part of some of those mid nineties Braves teams. We were having a few beers one time and I said, look, you know, it was obviously the steroid era. How prevalent was it with those Braves teams? And all he would say to me, Tim is I'm not going to be the one who tells you there ain't no Santa Claus. <laughs> as far as those rosters go. So that was just, that was the era. Hey, we talk about the Braves, another NL East championship for the 2022 version of the Atlanta Ball Club. Uh, it comes at the expense, once again, of the New York Mets. And there's sort of this narrative out there that same old Mets. Well, look, I, I didn't see this as the Mets choking this one away. It's just the Braves were incredibly good, once again, uh, with maybe more of an emphasis over the second half of the season. Yeah, I don't, you know, I see that. I see the Mets fans. Dude, I was shocked because I was watching, focused on the Braves, saw the Mets win the first game, and I saw highlights, and the, <laughs> dude, it was completely empty. There was no, hardly no fans at that game. They had literally just saving I, up for the, the playoffs, I guess. I think, maybe. Just, I think it was a sign of rebellion. I think they were pissed. I don't, <laughs> I think that, like they were still in it. And uh, I mean, the Braves won two to one. The Mets swept, had the Braves. 
giving up one more run, one or two, obviously two more runs. Yeah. Loan that, which is, you know, it's Major League Baseball. It can happen. Today's a do-or-die game, and they're picking, pitching DeGrom, and the Braves are maybe pitching, you know, uh, Max. So uh, I was surprised. I don't think they backed out as much as the Braves were just unbelievable at times. And, yeah. I mean, they swept three games on the line, three, you know, the three – Games they bring out Mac, they bring out their Mad Max, they bring out you know uh, Degrom, and the Braves beat them. And you know that Bassett guy that pitched third is not some you know he's not sliced liver there. He's a good he's a good baseball player. So I think the Braves earned it. Um, a very weird schedule where they're going back and forth. I mean the Mets are definitely a talented team. I mean they're going to finish either tied record wise or a game back uh, after today. Um, uh, definitely have the first two pitchers in their lineup are really tough guys to get out. There's a lot of teams that have two really good pitchers. You know, the Phillies have two really good pitchers. So I was excited, um, obviously, as a Braves fan, because it's been frustrating at times. But, you know, they win 100 games, um, you know, win the, you know, win the pennant again. So, you know, pretty impressive season overall. Hey, if the Mets were an Alabama football opponent, who would they be? Let's say the Atlanta Braves or Alabama football, uh, and the Mets were an Alabama opponent. Would they be Tennessee? Would they be LSU? Would they be Auburn? Uh, where would you kind of where would they place there? Would you say uh, right now? At the past, I think you could have made a case they were Tennessee, but obviously, you know that streak's been going on a little bit. And little, I mean, I believe the rivalry's coming back. Tennessee's on a, is an up and coming program. But I'd say right now, probably LSU. You know, a team that you know, you know, beat Alabama in 2019 or are threatened to beat them last year. Uh, a lot of you know cross referencing with you know with the, with the with the recruiting and the coaching, and it's really a completely different style from one to the other. Um, I mean, the Braves. I mean, Snit. I don't know. If his heartbeat ever exceeds the 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 very normal heart, the lowest heartbeat possible to be alive. I mean, the guy never has any emotion. Um, the the team is not a fiery team. They're very quiet uh, for the most part. Their leaders, Matt Olson, Dansby, who's been fantastic, Austin, who is fantastic. But the weird thing for me about the Braves is the Braves come off the World Series and, and lose Freddie Freeman to the to the Dodgers. They also, obviously they get mad also. But the thing that's weird is like the Braves are here because of their rookies, like the missing pieces. They reach down into what I was told repeatedly by expert was a, de- a completely depleted farm system. And they pull out Michael Harris, who yeah. know, he's a little bit on a, he's on a cold streak right now, but he's been playing at an all-star level. Uh, Strider, the pitcher is definitely an all-star and then uh, Grissom gave him some major, you know, major innings and definitely had some runs. So it's been pretty interesting. As complete as a team as it is, um, you know, they did small things. They got Iglesias, you know, the guy in the seventh inning who's been lights out. Uh, so it's been really interesting how this team's been put together. And the future's good. They got most of these guys signed. I mean, they got to get after, you know, uh, you know, Dansby Swanson and get him signed. I'm a fan. I hope they do it. I think he's a. Uh, He's a big part of that club emotionally as well, but there's there's a there's a bright future there, and they did it with again without Soroka, you know, you know, which was expected. He probably wasn't going to pitch this year, and also Ozzy Albies, Ozzy Ozzy Albies, their second baseman, who's missed you know a significant part of the year. So quite a team they put together. I'll go Texas A and M if the Mets were an Alabama 
football opponent because you look at the roster a lot of years and you go, yeah, this is a world championship potential club. But then you have so many changes in terms of the leadership, right, of the team and uh, don't always seem to live up to expectations. I like Buck Showalter, though. That's why I'm as inclined as anything to say this wasn't a case of the Mets just choking it away. And in addition to what the Braves did themselves, uh, I feel a lot better if I were a Mets fan about that guy uh, at the at the helm than than some of these other skippers they've had. Yeah, I think he's a good. I think he's definitely a good guy. I would I wouldn't mind seeing him manage the Braves. Of course, he won't down the road. I think he's a he's definitely a uh, a guy. When you watch him, he's very serious. He makes a lot of the right moves. I don't know why the Braves have their numbers. I'm hesitant to call them the Aggies because. I mean, even if Texas A&M beats Alabama, <laughs> they lose seven and four. They wouldn't be in the major league play, playoff. That's true. That's gonna, true. So yeah. maybe LSU. I, I was between Texas A&M and LSU probably. Yeah, for I sort of know LSU because LSU is a playoff yeah. team, having made it or talented. And yeah, they do, even if they don't beat Alabama, yeah. they're still competitive. Of course, there's been some blowouts, but last year kind of showed you what that rivalry was made of, where. LSU with a you know a you know a dead man walking head coach gave everything with a very depleted squad gave Alabama what for you know in Tuscaloosa so yeah we're going to get into uh, speaking of talent and rosters we're going to get into some recruiting talk coming up a little bit later in the podcast obviously a huge weekend not only for Alabama football but a very important basketball recruit in town from the men's side of things. Um, but, you know, Tim, Jimbo had one job. Again, just get to this weekend undefeated. Don't lose to Appalachian State. Don't lose to Mississippi State again. And here we are, just like a year ago, with the Texas A&M Aggies, two losses, limping into Tuscaloosa, though. When you talk about the the danger level, though, for this game, is, is there any way that we see something similar to what we saw in College Station a year ago, in your opinion, um, it would be hard pressed for me to see it happening again. I mean, that you know, as almost every Alabama loss, you know, when I have friends I talk to, they talk about how miserable it is. There's always some weird vibe, which is true. You know, it's very seldom you get the national championship game against Clemson where you're like, mm, you're just not the better team. It's always some weird, weird vibe, or you know, like you know, Calzada stepping up last year and dropping down. Even like, Garcia, yeah. Steven Garcia and, you know, Calzada ended up transferring and, you know, couldn't beat out Haynes King, who couldn't hold off Max Johnson. So there's a lot of storylines. I'd be surprised if they beat Alabama. I think they have talent, but Appalachian State wasn't a fluke. Appalachian State lined up and beat them. I watched every second of that game. Um, Mississippi State beat them. Uh, Made big plays when they had to make big plays. Miscused by Texas A&M. Um, they're, you know, to be honest, they're lucky they're not sitting on three losses with Arkansas. Had KJ Jefferson not tried to jump from the, you know, the the triple triple jump in the Olympics into the end zone from like the three yard line, and that ball bounced, you know, that ball is fumbled and right into a Texas A&M guy's hand on the sideline where there's where there's no scrum, he could just take off and run it. So I'd be surprised if they could beat Alabama. I mean, obviously Bryce is a, it, you know, changes it, you know, changes it. Um, from that standpoint, obviously, you know whether he plays or not, or what they have to do offensively. But still, think Alabama's a better football team. 
You talk about the quarterback position and what we saw last Saturday in Fayetteville with Jalen Milrow coming on and that explosive fourth quarter that really got started with his long run of 77 yards there earlier in the quarter. In terms of importance, big picture wise, though, how do you see that um, that that performance from Jalen Milrow in terms of the future of the quarterback position? For Alabama, do you still need to see a good bit more from him, or did you view that as a major statement in relation to the successor to Bryce Young at some point, probably in the not too distant future? Yes, yeah, I'm neutral there because I don't think you could tell a whole lot. The game plan wasn't built around him. It wasn't a great wasn't a great day for the wide receivers with Bryce. I mean, there's at least four or five drops. I know five drops in that game, and Bryce was seven of thirteen. So. Um, you know, the wide receivers weren't having their best day. Um, he didn't really get a chance to pass. I think he threw nine, eight or nine times total in that game. We didn't really get to see a lot. And again, we saw, you know, the thing that's sort of the weird for me about sports fans is how they forget. I mean, we saw Mac Jones come in for, for an injured player and struggle. We've seen this before. And then we saw him get settled in and then, you know, we saw Mac struggle in Auburn. Big time. And then we saw him settle in in Michigan, you know, against Michigan in a bowl game and played great. And then we carried it on and saw what happened with, uh, you know, what he did with that next year. So <clears throat> I think it's too early to decide. I mean, I knew the guy could run. The guy, <laughs> he's one of the freakiest runners I've ever seen. I mean, he's, um, for his size, I mean, he's like, you know, he's like Henry Ruggs and Jalen Hurts' body almost. That guy is a it's a monster human being, by the way. He can he can fly. We knew he could do that. I think the running game, you're going to keep him honest, but he's going to have to beat him with his arm. He's got a cannon, you know, under through. That was what surprised me. I think the only thing that was disappointing to me in Jalen's performance is he underthrew that ball to Burton, which was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He overthrows it. I'm okay with it if he oh because he's got a monster arm, so I'm okay if he overthrows it. But obviously he was in his head thinking, "Don't overthrow it." Underthrew it pretty considerably, um, but I think if he led him a little bit, that's probably seven. So I'm not very still out on him. I think he's a talented guy. <clears throat> I trust the coaches and think that he's played uh, or more advanced or knows the offense better than Tyler Simpson. Uh, Ty Simpson, but I think Ty Simpson's a heck of a football player too. And who knows, you might be able, you know, they might be prepping both to play if Bryce can't go. Yeah, I think intangibly, that's where I was probably most impressed by Milrow and that he did have the underthrow. You're right, the ball hung up on him. I liked that he stepped up in the pocket at least, but yeah, that's a throw you got to make uh, and hit to Jermaine Burton. And frankly, they haven't hit Jermaine Burton on a couple of those, even. With Bryce, but that's the kind of window where you can build cachet with your teammates and coaches to come in and perform like that. And understanding he came in, it was a 14 to nothing game. Kool-Aid McKinstry had just set up the offense on a short field. Um, But they had four other scoring drives with Jalen that covered 59 yards or more. So uh, I think the trust maybe that you build in an opportunity like that is important. Everything else is uh, I agree. I, I think it's it's to be determined. I just think, you know, that Alabama, when they got that 28 nothing lead, that last drive before the half was bad defensively. A um, couple of missed tackles, a um, couple mm-hmm. players out of position, way too easy with two minutes to go after that. You know, that's something I'd, I'd like to see the defense bottle up. Came out in the second half and 
and, you know, kind of had a little bit of things. But, you know, all said, you know, I've seen the defense criticized. I don't, really don't know why. But they really had the, you know, they really had, you know, they had some bad luck. I mean, he had the, the, the snap, the off snap, and the, you know, get a three and out, and, you know, pin them deep. I mean, uh, Onside kick. Yeah, you, you get know. yeah, the onside kick, the missed field goal, you know, special teams were kind of a work in progress um after that game. I imagine they spent some time on that. So I'd say the defense put a little behind. You know, everybody's killing, you know, I've seen a lot of people really hard on Henry Toa Toa. I think he played okay. I don't think he played great. I think he was frustrated, the cheap hit late in the game. I think that goes from being frustrated. Um but then, but then again, I mean, you sort of expect the captain to step up that next week. So I'm watching, watching him this week to see what he does because he's been better this year. That just was a game that got a, you know, got away from a little bit. You know, and everybody's talking about the uh, what's his name, the bumper guy, bumper pool. Yeah, bumper pool guy. He was completely out of position on three massive TD runs while drawing yeah. accolades from the announcers. He gave up both. Jace, well, he definitely gave up to Jason Jalen runs right up the middle. Hey, and big props to Seth McLaughlin because <laughs> all three of those runs, he's in the middle creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, he did a really good job. I haven't really seen enough of him in, run, in pass blocking, but run blocking, there's a lot to like. He'll seal you off, create some space, uh, you know, give you a little hole to get through. I thought he did a really good job filling in as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was a tough. It was a tough week to be a 225-pound inside linebacker, too, because you got a quarterback that goes 242 that runs the football in K.J. Jefferson. And Rocket Sanders, we talk about him more so in terms of speed and understandably so, but that dude checks in at 227. So you got some big backs and quarterbacks you were dealing with last week. And then uh, you look at this week with Devon A-Chain, I think Devon A-Chain did some of the things against a, uh, Arkansas and Bumper Pool that you saw Alabama do last week with Jalen and Jameer Gibbs in relation to speed. Devon A-Chain was a problem for Arkansas because he's a legitimate world-class track athlete, uh, and, and you saw a carryover with that for Alabama. But but maybe not having to deal with – understanding, again, a chain can fly – but a chain's 185 this week, right? He's not 240 or 227. So from that perspective, it might look actually better to those inside linebackers on Saturday night. That's the thing I think fans see when they, you know, you can be hypercritical. I mean, if you're an Arkansas fan, you're probably a little disappointed, even though Poole, I thought, played a good game for Arkansas. But I think you're probably disappointed he was out of position several times on key plays. The runs literally bottled up, went straight through his whole um, so you flip that to Henry, like you said, very comparable. You know, you got a big, big quarterback who can move. You got a big running back who can run. Jace isn't tremendously big, but he's he's big in, in stature. So you had that coming in. So that's kind of like you said, getting out of position. That's part of the frustration. And again, I tell you, I love seeing 32 out there. I love to see Lawson. I get excited when I watch him play football. I loved him as a high school prospect. Thought he was great. He played both ways. And getting to see him. Actually, get out there, show some instincts, and play. And of course, Jaheim Otis, you know he's a you know he's a story for me. I mean, you know, we talked about him on the podcast several times, but you had an almost four hundred pounder kicking off in high school and running down the field and making tackles. So um, it's great to see him out there and having an impact and, and and seeing everybody rally around him. Yeah, a lot of talk about those five stars, right? That A and M landed on the defensive line in the 2022 cycle, but lo and behold, here's Jaheim Otis 
the national true freshman of the week, according to 247sports.com. Uh, kind of interesting how that's played out. Not to say that the guys at A&M aren't going to be spectacular because they certainly have that potential. Uh, but at this point, I would say even with Isaiah Hastings uh, making the trip as a travel uh, squad member uh, in a signee in 2022, uh, maybe not the talk about Alabama's defensive line class from its most recent haul, but group that initially anyway looks like it's going to hold up just fine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, defensive line. So, you know, you can sign 10, you know, I think Texas A&M might have signed eight to 10 defensive linemen. You can rotate them in and out, but you really can't get them on the field all at once. I've seen a few. I think they've experimented using them as linebackers and stuff like that. It's definitely is a great class when you look at recruiting rankings. Um, but I think Otis, you know, is probably having as big an impact as anybody in the nation. And considering that quick turnaround he's had from where he was to where he's at, you know, you got to wonder even what's, you know, what's going to be greater as the season goes on, as his career goes on. But um, you know, overall, I thought the game was exciting. A lot of big plays and fun and frustrating at times. I mean, that onside kick was just that the, how easy it was was really, um, you know, really, uh, you know, you know, really disturbing. <laughs> you know, it just <laughs> it was perfectly executed by Hiria. They obviously Arkansas did, saw something on tape right yeah. there in the middle where they thought these guys kind of bail a little early, so we're gonna keep this one in our back pocket and. And roll it out if we need it. You know, Sam Pittman, I mean, that's a guy, I mean, if you're, for, to, to be, to his story, and I'm usually suspect about these stories that are created in the media, but his story is one of the best ones I've seen where, I mean, I don't even know where he was on the Arkansas pecking peck list with coaches, but it was down there. And I imagine he had to lobby and get people in his corner to even be considered, but man, the guy brings excitement that, that you know, they are excited about him, that program. Everybody talks about what a good guy he is. So, you know, good job. Perfect. Yeah, good yeah. job his staff, and I hope they do well the rest of the season. Speaking of recruiting, uh, big weekend, as we know, an anticipated weekend for Alabama football on that front. Man, Tim, when you talk about just official visitors uh, and five stars, you got three of those. Uh, then you've got just a – and these are uncommitted players that are five stars. And Keon Keeley, the five-star edge from Tampa, Berkeley Prep. Deuce Robinson, the five-star tight end from Phoenix, Arizona. And Cormani McClain, the five-star corner from Lakeland, Florida. Uh, Keeley, of course, previously committed to Notre Dame. So, uh, man, set the table for, for this weekend because even in terms of unofficial visitors, uh, you got a Florida commit and Kelby Collins expected in town. Uh, this is the one that's been circled all season, right? Yeah. I mean, from a visitor standpoint, you know, and I know the Alabama staff, they probably hate this in some ways. You remember the LSU nine to six game and it was like, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's not going to be the same, but I think to start the season, we were anticipating that weekend where Alabama and LSU played and, you know, you had Derek Jeter and you know, I think maybe A-Rod and, you know, Robert Kraft and Shaquille O'Neal, everybody was at that game that year. And I remember talking to the coaches afterwards about what a pain in the ass and distraction it was for them. Like they were really irritated because they were, you know, you, you know, you're in there coaching and, you know, you can't really tell Jared Jeter, go away. I'm working on uh, my game plan or whatever. And the players were all excited. And um, so you're getting into that again, you're getting in that now where you have, uh, so many people coming in. Obviously, Keon Keeley's been playing for a while. Hermione McClain is playing for a while. So there's a good and bad take from here. The good 
is this Texas A&M. This, this fan base will be rabid. Uh, this game will be, you know, nationally televised. Everyone's going to be excited. It's going to be a great, great, great environment. The bad is you have so many people. You know, it's like Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansion in the 70s. You don't know who to who you get to talk to and spend some time with. They're going to have to choose between 200 players. This is just the guys we know coming in. I mean, this is just, there's a hundred guys that we, that we've kind of confirmed. There's probably another, you know, 75 to a hundred that we haven't confirmed yet. Young guys, you know, 2026 guys, 2025 guys. So it's going to be a lot going on. And you know how Alabama and Nick Saban is about focusing on the game. Because, I mean, they're as good as anybody at handling this situation, but it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of give and take weekend. You know, you have so much going on. Um, how much time can you spend with them? Keon Keeley's visits, absolutely huge. Tampa, uh, you know, Jack being recruited for that Jack outside linebacker position, big guy, one of the few big guys I can see playing it. He's kind of, you know, similar, a little similar to Jason Taylor. Not saying he's going to be good as the, I think he's defensive MVP under Saban at, at, with the Miami Dolphins, but big guy that's flexible, can get out of space, can mirror, has a, has a good body, good length, committed to Notre Dame. Uh, decommitted, visited Alabama unofficially, has taken some visits to Ohio State, who he's looking at. Uh, Florida's in there somewhere, but it feels like an Alabama-Ohio State battle right now. But he's coming for his official, and it's a chance to really like cement where they stand with him. Uh, Deuce Robinson's kind of a work in progress. Don't know as much about him. I think this visit's going to tell the tale on what kind of chance Bama's got at all to pull him away from the West Coast. And Cormani McLean, who's been a uh, – Top priority, you know, um, T-Rob has did a really good job recruiting him from Lakeland, five-star. Think about this class overall. You know, we see this. There's this. We see this from time to time. This group of cornerbacks is not very deep. It's not as good as we're used to seeing. There's not guys just popping up. Kermani's the cream of the crop, in my opinion. He's the top guy. How he would compare to other top guys is kind of, you know, a, you know, something that would be interesting to look at because he's not quite at that level of what were you seeing at Pat Sertan and those kind of guys, but he is the best cornerback in this class that I've seen. So obviously Alabama's fighting Florida, um, Miami there, a very heated battle, a quiet kid. So, you know, their chance to roll out the red carpet, really get a, you know, really make their stand there. Yeah. And it's uh, not a, a small weekend for Nate Oates either. He's got an important recruit in town and Mohammed Diobate, a six seven forward from Putnam Science Academy in Connecticut. He is a top one hundred player. Of course, Nate's already got a pretty solid looking crew of commitments uh, to this point. Sam Walters, a six eight forward, Davin Cosby, uh, most recently committed the shooting guard from Word of God Christian Academy in Raleigh, North Carolina. Of course, in state guard, a combo guard in R.J. Johnson from Grissom up there in Huntsville, 6'3", 190 pounds. So some important visitors uh, in other sports, including men's basketball. But from the football perspective, it absolutely does not get any bigger than what Alabama will put together this weekend. That's Sam Walters, kid. I mean, Antoine Petway deserves a big tip of the hat here in the golf club. He did a tremendous job of getting this guy. His stock continues to rise. Now, there's a lot of people that – you know, we're, 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 we're kind of critical in my opinion of him as a player or didn't really know much about him. I think they saw that long lean frame. I mean, six foot eight, six foot nine, 180 ish pounds, 
Uh, looks kind of awkward, but this guy's a deadly shooter. He continues to impress. All the write-ups from this past weekend were outstanding on him. I think a lot of people are playing catch-up to what Antoine Petway and the Alabama coaching staff knew. Obviously, Nate Oates and those guys knew because they made him a top priority and uh, and went after him and, and signed him. So we're seeing that class. We're seeing what a good job the staff does recruiting, and that's, that's another case right there. Yes, and by the way, we've got a running tally of anticipated football visitors on the recruiting front right there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Hank South has that thread going for us. He and Tim are updating it continuously, so you want to stay right there on the roundtable with us to get those real-time updates on multiple fronts, including big official visit and visit weekend in general for Alabama football over the next four or five days. So, Tim, let's talk about Alabama and the NFL a little bit because it has been a white-hot topic in relation to Tua Tagovailoa, his latest injury. Uh, this time, uh, we, we know this was a concussion uh, that he sustained against the Cincinnati Bengals last Thursday night. Just a really tough visual to see there on the, uh, I guess it was the prime broadcast or prime stream uh, from Cincinnati. But, um yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to start with Tua because too often we've talked about injuries. Obviously, the hip at Alabama is the one most people associate with him, but um, he had an ankle injury too. You, you were talking earlier about, we were talking about Jalen Milrow coming in against Arkansas. Well, people forget Mac Jones got a start against Arkansas back in 2019 before Tua uh, did the hip. Uh, because of the ankle injury uh, that he sustained back then. So, um, I, I, first and foremost, you worry about Tua's quality of life with all these injuries that have piled up. Lower extremity, hip, now his head. Um, what's, what do you think the, the, the realistic shelf life is for him? Uh, as secondarily, a professional football player, given – the issues that continue to, to seem to hit him in, in major areas. Yeah. You know, that whole thing was weird to me. I felt like he was slammed to the ground first of all, which I thought was illegal. I mean, he was basically grabbed by the legs and slammed to the ground. Like it was a fisher trying to knock out. Um, and as much as they, pr- I'll tell you this, you couldn't do that to Tom Brady. They would have had that guy under felony arrest before they, <laughs> they, they carted Brady off the field. So um, with Tua, um, I don't know. You know, I know the guy loves football. I know he's a man of, you know, of extreme faith. And when you watch him, it sucks because he was having a good year. I mean, the week before, you know, I don't I don't really believe the conspiracy theories. Like, I don't know why Tua would have a concussion and say it's his back. Now, I get guys are competitive, but if the NFL let – I mean, I'll be blunt. If the NFL let a concussed guy back on the field the next week – Everybody should be fired. Everybody. Well, they did fire, I guess, the the, yeah, the doctor. I, I read that, but it's kind of like they let him go. Like they just disassociated yeah. themselves. They didn't really assign blame. It didn't sound like the Miami Sharks from any given Sunday. Yeah, they do. That, that's, that what, you know, that's what they think of James <laughs> Wood. You know what I mean? That's, that, is, that is James Wood. That is the, the prototype. They did say he skipped steps in the concussion protocol. So to me, I guess that is laying him out there and then you know the next week with the slam and the fingers you know the thing with Tua Tua has always been and I don't have any you know Tua has always been funny with his hands you know he throws the ball he's always held his other hand and I don't know if that's a habit or what I don't know if that factored into what happened I just know it looked awful Mm -hmm. 
you know, the guy saying the right things, he flew home and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, those concussions begin to pile up. I mean, if I'm the Dolphins, I protect him at all costs if he's my quarterback going forward. I trade, I sign, I, I, I mortgage the house to get his, you know, the off, you know, the offensive lineman and the guys to protect him that I can. If I'm two, I get that ball out of there quicker. I mean, that's always yeah. a little bit. I think that's the common denominator in all of his injuries. Yeah, and you know, you even saw it with Bryce. I mean, Bryce drugged that play. And again, I'm definitely not blaming these guys because they're unbelievable playmakers. They're the elite that can at the That's big, why they're where they're at in yeah, large part. They're very, very last quarter of a second, they can make a decision to make a big play. Uh, we've seen that. So I'm certainly not blaming them, but Bryce certainly had plenty of time to tuck it and run, throw it away or whatever. He just kept waiting to stall it out because he's a big-time playmaker and he doesn't want to give up on the play. I hope Bryce learns from this 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 uh, this injury, and I hope that he uh, you know you know just tosses that ball away or runs to the sideline and gets gets rid of it. But that's been the case with two. I think he holds on to it sometimes too long. Um, he trusts himself. I think he's I think he'll be fine personally. I mean, there's been quarterback. You can't tell me the history of quarterbacks that. You know, Dan Marino never had a concussion. You know, we haven't heard about him, but they've recovered and come back from him. I think from this, he'll be okay, and I think we'll know by the way he plays. But then again, if we're talking about another concussion at the end of the year, the start of next year, I think that's when we have to get into the discussion of, you know, what's going to happen here. You know, And if I'm to his dad or his brother or whoever, you know, his wife or whoever, I'm saying we're going to listen to the doctors on this. If you've got people telling you, um, you know, to sit out another game or two. You're sitting out another game or two. We're not going to rush back. This NFL season is very long. Nobody's going undefeated. Um, you know, we got a caliber playoff team. But, yeah, Bama, Bama overall, I mean, it's hard not to watch a game and see. You know, the other, we were watching. I've got four TV set up. So I watch, you know, usually three college games at once. And I'll watch four NFL games at once, even though – the uh, direct TV streaming is trying to be stingy with one. I have to I have to work around that right now. But mm-hmm. um, everywhere you look up, you're seeing a mink. You're seeing Pat Sertain, who's again <laughs> an unbelievable defensive back in the National Football League. If he don't make the Pro Bowl, I'm going to be pretty pissed about it. But every channel you turn on, you're seeing an Alabama guy. You see Minka, you see Marlin, you know, you're seeing defensive guys all over the field. You're seeing offensive guys over the field. Josh Jacobs had a big game. You know, uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, has done fantastic. Only undefeated quarterback in the league. Yeah, that they did a good job. You know, the thing is, I'm sitting over here like a dumbass rooting against the Saints, saying we need a quarterback. <laughs> we need Bryce. We need Stroud. And I realize they don't even have a first-round pick. <laughs> the but you could pick earlier in the second round. And that's maybe. true, but my son, the youngest son, said – uh, do we trade that, get that pick back from the Eagles? And I knew right away, he's the really smart one. I was like, Oh God, we don't, uh, I knew we didn't have a pick right away. So I'm sitting over here rooting against the Saints trying to get, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud or somebody, but mm-hmm. Eagles have did a tremendous job of putting a good team together. They're fun to watch. I mean, they are beatable. There's nothing about them that's unbeatable, but their defense is good. Jalen Smart, AJ Brown, Devon, you know, Smitty, you know, still, you know, rock star. So it's really interesting. Yeah, but my my man Trevor Lawrence, man, you talk about turnover city in that game Sunday for the Jags. That was bad. I don't know what to think about Trevor week to week right now, and that just, wasn't the week. The previous week at, at at LA, he was great against the Chargers, but man, he was 
I still awful don't know if he's got the Eagles cast around him. I mean, I was. Yeah, it's better, but you're right. It's not. I'm it's not what Jalen has right now. Uh, no, Jalen's got a really good offensive line. Yeah, got, got a, Dickerson. He's got Devonta as a number two hey, right now Dickerson's because a of AJ Brown. Dickerson is who we thought he was. He is slapping yeah. the crap out of NFL defensive linemen. He is doing a tremendous job. They got a good offensive line. They got a Pro Bowl type tight end and, and uh, what's a Dallas guy. They got AJ Brown, who's a you know Pro Bowl type wide receiver. They got Smitty. They got Kenneth Gainwell. I'm missing somebody. The Miles Sanders. They got weapons. They did yeah. a really good job of building around him and a pretty good defense to go with him. So he's got a lot more tools. Uh, you get these rookie quarterbacks out there, and you uh, you know you you wonder you know with Trevor like how long is his shelf life if he doesn't get somebody around him and give yeah. him a chance. But a lot of that was on him. By the way, I meant to ask you as the uh, father of a field goal kicker. All right. Did you see that double doink? Yeah, the- your boy Will Lutz. It's interesting too because double doink. Years ago, I took our field goal kicker to a camp. A, a kicking camp and will lutz was one of the uh resident instructors now, this is before he made it in the nfl i think he was at georgia state at the time is where he came from on the college level and uh, he, he put on a fireworks show but yeah that was rough man because that was a hell of a struck ball he hit over in uh over in london to have it go off the upright and off the crossbar but it sounds like you were happy about it until you realized, of course, that you don't have a first-round pick anyway. I just don't think they're a very competitive team. I want them to pick as high as they can and make some moves. I think they got – they don't – it's just the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, it's hard. You know, it's hard to it's hard to win anything. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Jameis is going to be able to lead them where they want to go. Uh, defense is still good. They still got – you know, they still got some moves to make. But it, the double doink still hurts. You know, you say you root against your team, but it's really hard to root against them. <laughs> you know what it yeah. is? Yeah. It gets down to it because when they beat the Falcons, I was celebrating even though I wanted them to lose. <laughs> so, you know, even that, I was like, gee, I couldn't believe they, they double doinked it. But uh, I'll tell you, man, it was. You mentioned the DBs for Alabama in the league. Uh, I think Eddie Jackson had an interception. Marlon had an interception. And Patrick Sertan, Trayvon, I think, had an interception for the Cowboys. And Patrick Sertan, though, he, he didn't have an interception, I don't think, against the uh, – he had eight tackles, two pass breakups – but dude locked up Devontae Adams, and that's all anybody was talking about. Yeah, it was even the catches Adams had were, you know, just really. Yeah. It was just a Pro Bowl, maybe the best receiver in the NFL type stuff um, out there. Armor Davis is a starter, right? I don't I, know if he started this no, week, but he's been playing a lot for the Ravens. The field, I, you're right. I don't know if he's actually. I haven't seen the starting lineup, but he's he's out there. So yeah, the DBs are represent really well. I mean, you already know what you're getting. Um, Quentin Williams. Quentin yeah. Williams is having a tremendous year. And the guys at, at Washington had a big game Sunday. Allen and uh, and Payne, right? Yeah, absolutely. The DLs. Offensive sides, you know, it used to be a lot of offense we were seeing, and now it's trended back a little bit more towards the defense. You know, Julio's been a lot quieter. Calvin's not playing this year. Mack is injured. Um, what about Josh Jacobs, man? The Raiders don't pick up his rookie option, rookie yeah. contract option. And we talk about Sertan in that game against the Raiders, but Josh, 28 carries, 144, two touchdowns, five catches, 31 yards. Yeah, I don't I mean, like that's a That's a fantasy wet dream, right? That's a fantasy dream. 
I don't like the Raiders. You know, I think they're, a, <laughs> I think, you know, I think they're living off of John Madden, now Davis reputation. I think they're posing for a picture nobody's taking. Nobody sees y'all as elite. Nobody <laughs> sees that, you know, Carr as, as some Hall of Fame quarterback. He's just an average quarterback. And, and, you know, the, 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 the Mayock and Gruden draft experiment went very sideways. But Josh Jacobs, you know, the other guys they didn't sign, Josh Jacobs has been productive. That's Josh, what I'm saying. I mean, they acted like he's been just a total disappointment. I, I know he. It's not like the other guys over there. Josh Jacobs has been good for them every year. He's, I guess being a running back doesn't help him either, though, right, in terms of value to, to the team as much. But still. But see, my thing, here's my thing is Josh Jacobs isn't just a running back. He's a hell of a blocker. He's a quarterback yeah. protector, and he's a receiver. And you gave him 30-plus touches on Sunday. So obviously there is some value there. You know what? I, I'm, I'm at the stage, if I'm Jacobs, um, I'm not even 25 years old. I'm not letting them run me 30 times trying to get me hurt nope. a big contract. You know they're what I mean? Taking I'm, all this tread off my tires before I mean, I'm trying to get That's what they're doing. They're like paid. You know, yeah, it's like selling your car. No, you're going to going and doing donuts in the park. Ain't going to be no home team discount either after not picking up his option. I hope he goes somewhere else. The Saints preferably, but <laughs> that would be a nice little. Yeah, the Saints just need another running back, you know. Ours has been dang ding. That's the thing. I The one thing I, I think that press, depresses me the most or I like the least about the NFL is, man, the running backs just come and go. I mean, you blink. Sean Alexander is the MVP, and you blink. Two years later, he's done. Blink. That just yeah. happens. Alvin Kamara, you know, he's you know he's been dinged up, and just you know that's the thing that probably the most the, you know the, the seriously if any running back that has a career, that's why you have to appreciate and Emmett Smith who had such a long distinguished career because you know Adrian Pearson, it's not easy to do. These guys don't make it long. No. Hey, let's head to the mailbag here on the Bama Online podcast, the T. Watson TR edition of the pod. And we'll start with B underscore Rich underscore. We always appreciate B. Rich checking in on the roundtable mailbag. Uh, He asks, Tim, very simply, does Bama escape the month of October undefeated? Damn, this league is tough. Kind of answered his own question a little bit there. This is a very tough league, Tim, but... A&M this week in Tuscaloosa, road game at Tennessee a week from Saturday, and then what is looking to be a more and more anticipated matchup, perhaps with Mississippi State on the 22nd. What do you think? You like Alabama? How much of this depends, I guess, also, obviously, on Bryce? Yeah, I, I like them to, uh, you know, to this. we knew this was going to be the roughest part. I mean, even coming in, we probably catching a break here because we actually probably thought it was going to be a little bit tougher with uh with uh texas a&m you know we i like you i certainly expected them to be undefeated and um our thought that the pundits would be right they'd be undefeated we thought texas a&m was going to be a good one we knew what arkansas was going to be and it was what we thought it was tennessee's the big one i think a lot of us circled uh at the end of the year but yeah it depends on bryce you know what i mean i think you get bryce i mean you lose a starting quarterback um, um, obviously, I think Tennessee is definitely an offensive threat. That's a really good offensive football team. Um, I think Texas A&M is a good defensive team. So we're not really playing super complete teams. So I think Alabama can compete with all of them. I wouldn't say it's a lot to go undefeated during this stretch, but I do think that Alabama 
has a pretty good chance. They'll be favored in every game. I mean, you know, Rocky Talk, you know, Tennessee's going to be through the roof with excitement. Um, they just saw that at Arkansas. The one thing I will say that really helps, I think helps them with Tennessee is that they've already been to Texas. It doesn't really get a lot harder than Texas. That's about, that's right there. Arkansas was, was through the roof. So Tennessee's going to be through the roof. Although, you know, I would say Tennessee's definitely a harder place to play than Arkansas at full capacity and under these situations. But I think, I think, they, I think they will. You know, I think it does depend on Bryce. I think you feel better about Bama's chances in Knoxville against uh, a Tennessee with Bryce. But also, I think, I'm hoping, and I believe you'll see progression from Jalen Milrow. Because, you know, a lot of times, like when I talk to people, I think they think everybody, like it's Little League. All right, Johnny, you get a throw. Timmy, you get a throw. <laughs> Little Trav, you get a throw. It's not really evenly divided. I mean, Bryce, you know, Bryce is a first rep hog. You know, I mean, he's the starter. So I think Milrow getting a bunch more reps this week and Ty Simpson getting a bunch more reps this week. If Bryce can't go, is going to be, you know, something to look, you know, something we can look at down the road. Yeah. Tennessee has become the game. Everybody's looking toward because Alabama is a bad matchup for Mississippi state. As we've seen the last two years, Mississippi state's offense is, is has problems when teams can rush three or four and get to the quarterback and then drop seven or eight into coverage. Alabama's been able to do that each of the last two years. I think Tennessee is the game where it's most important to have Bryce because I think with Bryce against that Tennessee defense, Alabama's capable of scoring as much as it needs to. 49, 52, 50, into the high 50s, whatever's needed against that Tennessee defense. I think Alabama is capable of that with Bryce. Uh, I don't know with Jalen if it is capable of going 2016 in Knoxville where the Alabama run game just ran over the balls uh, up there at Neyland. But um, that's the game. And, and I won't overlook this week because it's still a very talented Texas A&M team as much as anything right now. You wonder about the health of Max Johnson at the quarterback position with that injury to his throwing hand and just the psyche of Texas A&M. Uh, they had the, the benefit of this game being at home a year ago in a very similar circumstance. This time, they're right back out on the road after a disappointing performance last weekend in Starkville. Hey, Gumpin247, he asks our states, I know y'all aren't coaches or wizards, huh? but how do you fix drops? These receivers have obvious talent, but there have been drop problems from almost every guy at some point this year, Tim. I was just, I was surprised by Brooks's drops. I don't know about you. They were easily catchable balls. Um, I was surprised. I, you know, he's always been sure-handed to me. I thought he was that way in high school. I thought he was that way last week. I thought he, you know, I thought he was that way in his chances last year. I mean, his catches Auburn was, you know, that was a Harry Houdini catch, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was surprised by that. Holden, I will say in his defense, he got, he got jacked up on both of his. So, I mean, you know, that one across the middle, the first one he dropped, you know, the first one he was held. He was. He was broke from his route and he instinctively stuck his hand out. But, you know, in idea, you know, in a perfect world, you tell him don't even reach for the ball because nobody's going to catch it. Don't pop it up. But that's like telling a pitcher, don't feel the grounder coming up the middle. You see that. Well, that's what he did. He was pulled. He reached out with one hand. No prayer to catch it. So I don't mind going to put that drop on him. The next one he was about to get absolutely smoked. And I think he knew it. And I think that was in the back of his head. Cameron Latou was, was the most disappointing. I mean, it was just a little gentle drop 
Ryan mm-hmm. Bits, and it was going to be a big play. Was that was going to be a big play. You're right. Great play call. The thing about it is he doesn't get enough opportunities to, to mess up the ones where, where, <laughs> where, where he's got that opportunity. We saw that a lot last year with Jaleel Billingsley. You know, maybe that's a play if that keeps happening. You run with Black because that's the, yeah, that's a big joker uh, who probably would appreciate those touches. But that you know, for me, Cameron was the worst drop because it was just a gentle little one in his bread basket. I can't explain Brooks. I don't know if there's a there's sun in his eyes, lack of concentration. I don't know, but there's no excuse for dropping. You know, I wouldn't call the you know the first interception. I thought that was just bad luck and a bad. Bad miss on a quick, you know, good job by the defensive back to get that quick jersey yank, that little hold him up, break his pattern because he was beat otherwise. But um, easy penalty in the NFL, but in college, as long as the ball's not out of the quarterback's hand, you can get away with more of that. When it comes after five yards, the catching though overall, I mean, you kind of can or you can't catch. I think you can be a better catcher than you are. By you know strengthening your machine yeah. and all that, but some guys just have rough hands. I mean, how many passes did Julio Jones drop in his career? You know, um, I think he's dropped a considerable amount of passes. Uh, how many Smitty dropped? You know, none's jumping. I can't even think of one. No. I'm sure had a drop. You know, Henry Ruggs didn't really drop passes. Judy always dropped passes. Jamison Williams was Jamison Williams was kind of like Julio. It seemed like he had to get that early drop out of his system. And then he was fine. It it, it it just seemed like Julio's drops were always early, it, it, more than more often than not. And then he was he was pretty good. I think you hit on it though, as far as a fix. You just keep playing more receivers, and that's why it was good to see Kobe Prentice and Isaiah Bond um, do what they did at Arkansas. Uh, it, it, especially if you've got guys that have been around two or three years at this point, if they're still inconsistent with their hands, well. You keep working in other guys, I guess, Tim. Uh, you know, in Bond, I think Bond, you know, Bond, Bond's had a couple of passes. He probably could have called this skimmed off of him this year. And when he caught that deep ball, <laughs> he was not dropping that one in Arkansas. No. Not like a baby being Took dropped. Took it to the ground. Yeah. It's like a baby being dropped out of the window. Because he definitely, you know what, that play going forward at some point, that's going to be seven every single He'll score time. on that, yeah. That one right there, he's like, no, this one is not touching the ground. Um, and again, to see those jets out there, to see you know, you know, you know, Kobe and those young guys getting out there, you know, again, you see it, you know that. Do you remember? Bama doesn't play freshman negative recruiting. Bama face. Oh yeah. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you got freshmen playing all over this. All over the place. I mean, all over. If you can play, you're going to play. I'm playing on on the both lines of scrimmage where it's typically really hard to do that you got one starting at nose tackle yeah. and then tyler booker's essentially a starter at guard absolutely you know? great job then you got the you know the wide receivers out there terry and arnold's basically a freshman right i mean he's not yeah. a true didn't play last year yeah, yeah. last year's playing a different position i will say i hated the thing i guess that the moy kennedy injury just was sucked that's that's a shame just running um, field on a kickoff team giving a thousand percent team dude man team guy yeah yeah and he's important on special teams he was flying to that ball though i know that much and, and you're again you're going against a guy this week and devon a chain took 196 on you last year in, in college station hey let's get back to the uh to the bag get back to our bag here rising tide 21 
DL getting pushed around versus Arkansas something we can expect going forward, or was it more to do with the game plan? The, the biggest problem I had with the front seven in general at Arkansas was when Arkansas ran a quarterback sneak on third and three and converted. Not third and one, Tim, but third and three. And look, you know, we talked about it before. You got a 242-pound quarterback. You got a pretty experienced – you got one of the nation's top centers for Arkansas and Ricky Stromberg. So you got to give some credit to the opposition every once in a while, fellas. I know it's hard to do, um, but – uh, yeah, it, that was the part I was probably most distressed by. Um, you know, Arkansas rushed for 180, 185 yards in the game, uh, which is the most Alabama's given up to an opponent this season. But it was also under Arkansas's average by about 60 yards. So, you know, some teams are going to get yards. It, it's going to happen. But, um, you know, I, I think, again, Arkansas presented some challenges both up front and with the size of the people you were trying to tackle uh, that were a little more problematic than most. I didn't think they really got shoved around. I think I didn't either. I think the one play where I would say they probably did get bullied a little bit was that, again, that last drive before the half to score. There's a lot of yards on the ground with under two minutes left. You know, you expected like, you know, a big dime drop or something to get them up the field, but they consistently ran the ball right up the field. Um, that was probably the biggest thing. I don't know, you know, it's confusing. And uh, one thing I thought they did, I think they did a pretty good job of keeping Jefferson from scrambling. Um, you saw them like a limited rush, and they, so they talked about it on the broadcast. You Mush rush, yeah. Don't get past the quarterback. Um, don't get past the quarterback. You saw them saying that. So then when he, you know, the pocket, pocket started to collapse. He wanted to break. You were there for it. So a little bit took a little bit off that edge, that pass rushing. Had to be a little bit more patient. And when you got to be more patient, you know, you lose your you lose your aggression. And I think sometimes, you know, our, and again, you know, you got to give credit to Arkansas. It's a good football team. You know, they literally should have. To me, they should have. They had an excellent chance of being um, undefeated going into that game because some bad breaks in their loss. But uh, uh, a good, you know, pretty good football team. And there was mental breakdowns. But I think overall, I think the defense, had, you know, to me, got a good grade. I think they did a good job. Flip side to that, Rising Tide 21 asks, is the OL opening hole something we can get used to? Yeah, I think so. I think they've improved tremendously. I thought pass protection against Arkansas. And uh, we heard Nick Saban talk about it afterward. And again on Monday was exemplary. Uh, I think especially on the perimeter runs, it also has to match up with your personnel that you're getting the ball to, right, Tim? I mean, obviously, Jace and Jameer can can exploit holes anywhere you can create them. But especially Jameer, if you get him the ball on those sort of outside zones and then give him the opportunity to find a lane and, and then use that dynamic speed to hit it, certainly uh, they're capable of producing more of what we saw against Arkansas. And at the same time, Probably going to be some empty carries. You know, there's probably going to be two yards, one yard, three yards, and then 37 yards when I think about Jameer Gibbs especially. I mean, a lot of times you're running a play, you know, almost to see the reaction to that, you know, what's going to happen on that play um, to sort of gauge the next play or another play down the line. I think the offensive line is a work in progress, and I think if you look at it from game one to now, I think they're battle-tested. I think Texas had a good defensive line. 
Um, and I think they've made slight adjustments as we go along to, you know, obviously Booker's getting in there. Dalcourt's out, you know, with an, an injury and then Seth's in there. I'd like to see a little bit more of Seth. But I think they're adjusting as they go along. But how they adjust with a, uh, you know, depending on the quarterback would also be interesting. I mean, do you, Seth being a really good run blocker, do you leave him in if you're, you know, you're going to that that running game, which which I think you, I think that's a possibility. Lefty 20 in the roundtable mailbag. If Bama fired every coach who has been mentioned in at least 20 He's terrible at his job post. How many coaches would Alabama have left? This will be an extra credit problem on this year's ACT. I think we know the answer to that one. We'd be uh, talking about a staff very minimal uh, in terms of, of, of who it has. Yeah, I think that you know Alabama fans, and it's not Alabama fans, it's every fan base. I think when you're mad, you gotta they find someone to blame. I mean, Pete was it for years. Um, I mean, don't remember how many times Pete was fired with sources, which was absurd. Um, and now it's, it's Bill O'Brien. They just catch the <laughs> They just catch the smoke. And what's the, still the funniest part to me is the fact that <laughs> I don't think some people realize that like, this isn't a, this isn't a committee. I mean, Nick Saban chooses to hire him and pay him and raise him and all that stuff. So he's actually pleased with their progress. So I don't think he'd fire it. I mean, you'll know if he fires you, he'll let you go. But I mean, Bill O'Brien's took a lot of, lot of, lot of pressure this year. And there's been times I've been frustrated with watching some of the play calling or didn't understand and, and all that. I thought he called a great game against Arkansas. I mean, I thought the game plan to start with, I mean, they were up, you know, they got three touchdown drives plus the short field with Kool-Aid. By the way, can't talk enough about that kid. Uh, I, I feel like he should have busted three to the house by now. Yeah. He's going to average 40 and might not score. I mean, there's just <laughs> there's something about him with that ball in his hand, though. Um, but I thought they had three good drives, you know, for touchdowns. They had the turnover. I think the game was called well. And then he had to shift to adjust it to Milrow into the game, which is not what they planned. And the next thing you know, those three big three runs were, you know, by design, you know, did a good job. I thought he did a good job in that game uh, personally. So, uh, I know it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek question, but really, you know, most of the coaches don't catch. You know, I haven't heard anybody gripe about, you know, T. Rob. Yeah, yeah. No gripes about T. Rob or Holman Wiggins or I don't know those drops. Charles Kelly or you know, yeah, I mean, there, you know, you could, you, you know, you could question Coleman Hutzler after that third quarter in those special teams, Tim. Yeah, yeah. So they, <laughs> I think Alabama fans just get locked on to a uh, and all fan bases just get locked on mm-hmm. person and then they just you know they just want to you know pick up because don't forget the adamant freddie roach couldn't recruit summer i enjoy you've heard of the summer 69 yes freddie roach can't recruit on the hills of the summer of pete can't recruit and carl scott can't recruit right that looks kind of silly now i don't think a lot of people are poking their head out about all that that stuff like they once were, but um, yeah, I just think you get mad when you you know you lose you yeah, lose it's, you lose it's a passion. Recruit. Yeah, you lose a recruit, and you don't want to just say he didn't want to go to Alabama because as a fan, I think right. it's admit somebody might not want to go where you want to go, and I get it. Yeah, I know posters and members of our website they they get frustrated with me because I do credit the other side when I take into account grades or or things like that. Sometimes you gotta to, you gotta do that. I have a good friend that, you know, well, you know, who I, I think he's a wise man who always says they got scholarships too. Yeah. You're not out yeah. there playing, you know, but like there's no upsets in the NFL, really. 
you yeah, know? yeah, you're not out there playing 85 walk-ons. So Arkansas, mm-hmm. you know, those are scholarship guys too. Yeah, and, Missouri had some against Georgia the other night. Well, crazy so. game. I mean, that, and again, another Georgia's. You know, there's a lot of sports. I love sports because. I've never – there's nothing else. Like you don't read eight pages of a book and go, oh, my God, this is the worst book ever. This is trash. I'm not, You know, you don't do that with a book or a movie really. <laughs> I see it to the end is like the final score. Like I have friends that react to every pitch, every play, every basket, every, every trip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's going to have 30 turnovers at this pace. Dude, it was a first possession. Chill. And that's when you mute notifications. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to go silent on the Braves game. I had to put my phone up last night because of that, uh, that exact thing. But, I, I mean, I think it's what makes sports great, the passion, the fan bases, the blaming, the yelling, the, you know. I mean, I'm not even sure. Be realistic. What can the score be this week? Be realistic for the whole fan base to be happy. I mean, 59 to nothing, 2014 all over again. That's it. The fans and to you. Yeah. What can the score be? It's got to be a 2014 repeat. That's, that's right. Because, you know, 38 to 14 wouldn't be enough. No. You know what I mean? No. You know, 42 to 42 yeah. to 21. That won't be enough. I think there'll be a lot of criticism. It's literally going to have to be uh, that kind of thrashing, which is wild because, I mean, Texas A&M was a top 10 team. And, you know, Jimbo Fisher is a $10 million a year coach or whatever. Rising Tide 21 checks back in. Besides the obvious RPO packages, how does the game plan change with Milrow as the guy, if he's the guy? I, I think uh, that needs to be something we, we throw in there. If Milrow is the guy, I, I, I frankly will be surprised uh, if Bryce doesn't go right up till game time with the expectation of playing in this game. There's no inside knowledge to support that, but just knowing him, uh, and, and hearing Nick talk about the injury, uh, if Milrow though is the starter and the quarterback of choice this week, what do you think, Tim, uh, as rising tide 21 said, you're going to have zone read and RPO off of that. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You expect more designed runs with Milrow in the way of quarterback leads, quarterback counter. Um, or do you think that like I do, I still think a lot of the playbook's going to be accessible with with Milrow in there. Or at least they're going to go into it thinking they can. Yeah, you know, I think with Milrow, I still want to see him pass. I want to see him take the top off. The kid's got a cannon. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about he doesn't really have a lot of touch. Well, um, that's not that – That's I mean, there's Aaron Rodgers doesn't – I mean, he has touched, but he also has a cannon. Michael Vick had a cannon. I think you can adjust to that kind of ball. Brody Kroll had a monster. Our he had enough touch to, like you said, get it to Camla too perfectly softly, and it still went on the ground. So yeah, you know, think, when, when, when he we, needs it, I think he can have it. Here's my guess. I think that Jalen Monroe, three games from now, saying he was the starter, hypothetically only, I think he completes that pass to Burton that he missed in the Arkansas game. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that saying, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And you figure it out as you go along and as you work it and as you push it. I think the kid's extremely talented. He's a hard worker and he's smart. That's the thing. Here's the thing about Milrow. When I talked with people about him 
in the recruiting process. They didn't talk about freak athlete, which he is. He's a freak of all freaks. They didn't talk about this guy's got 103 mile an hour, you know, you know, deep ball. I mean, the kid's got a monster arm. They didn't talk about, they talked about his work ethic. They talked about his intelligence. They talked about how coachable he was. That's the first thing every said about everybody said about this guy. So in mentally, if you hear those terms and you haven't seen them, what are you thinking? Three-star lunch pail PWO program guy. But the guy's got a skill set out of this world, you know, and he's very similar to the same things you heard about Bryce Young and Mac Jones and Ty Simpson and all those guys. It's the same line of thinking. So I got I got I got a little confidence in Jalen having, you know, going in blind, but I got confidence that he's a guy that can figure it out. And you think about the rep load he's getting probably this week versus last week is the backup too. Um, you're right. Uh, two or three games from now, if he's in a position where he has Burton on that same play, I agree. I think the odds are much greater. He hits him as much because he's going to have had reps with Burton in that situation during the week in the lead up to the game more than he had uh, perhaps against Arkansas, if it comes down to it, Zach underscore F as we wrap up the mailbag here on the round table, Bill O'Brien agreed to two years with Alabama, which ends after this season. Are there any coaches out there, whether on staff or, or current cur- on staff currently or not that we see as legitimate candidates to replace him? If so, who, I guess, first of all, we got to, kind of let things play out. It's not as if Zach uh, Bill has to go after this year. Uh, it's it's not like there isn't some avenue where Bill O'Brien could in fact still be at Alabama in 2023. Uh, with that being said, we usually don't do hot boards this far in advance, Tim, <laughs> but are there any names that, that ring with you that would be sensible, even if it's down the road a little bit, um, that have crossed paths with Nick Saban, maybe in the past, maybe guys that just line up in terms of fit. What do you What do you think? Lynn Schumann. I know he's a, he's a defensive guy, though, isn't he? I think fans want him, but some of the fans want him back so bad. I'm gonna go with Lynn. Schumann. Oh, you're just gonna put him on offense. I'm just I on like offense. it, like Matt Patricia in New England. Okay, I, yeah. I, I'm not it's too soon for me to even you know sort of be able to figure that out. I mean, there's. You know, guys that'll have. You're not ready to anoint AJ Milwee as the next guy out there at Texas. I mean, for me, it's just. Charlie Weiss Jr., you know, at Ole Miss. Yeah, Derek Dooley. (laughs) There's guys. I'll tell you a guy I like in watching. I mean, the thing is, you know, it's it's hard to make a prediction on any coaching thing. You know, it used to be in the past, it was just a couple jobs open, right? There was never 20 – every year there's 20 jobs now. I yeah. mean, Freddie got coaches. I mean, Wisconsin fired their coach who I thought was a badger for life. I am stunned. I'm stunned that this guy's fired. You know, and, you know Scott Frost is gone. So there's so much happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and what happens with Scott Frost? Is he going to be a head coach? Is he going to be an OC? Is he a candidate? You know, any of that stuff – is going to factor into that. And Bill O'Brien, I mean, is he here? Is he going to get a job? Yeah. His name's mentioned with every opening. I mean, I would really have to think about it more, Zach. I can't think of anybody just, a, you know, I, 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 have, I just can't wrap my mind around it right you now. You could troll uh, Mark Stoops again after going and taking his offensive line coach and, 
maybe look at Rich Scangarello, the OC at Kentucky that um, came from the National Football League. So I go back to one point on Jalen too that I was I, I didn't get. You know the thing about Jalen, if that game would have been twenty eight to nothing, no no sweat, no comparison. Bama just walks to a forty five to three lead. I don't feel we would have learned a lot about Jalen. But the fact it was a barn burning game, twenty eight to three. That crowd wasn't dead. They were mm. at they were about it the whole game. So Jalen got the full impact of basically what Bryce got. He got them at their probably more rabid because they got pretty quiet and down seven nothing, fourteen, twenty one, twenty eight, and then all of a sudden, dude, it's twenty eight, twenty three, and they're losing their mind thinking they've got a shot. So that's another thing I want to say about Jalen. He stood in the fire and, and survived it, you know, just like the girl from Games of Thrones. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good way to put a wrap on the, uh, on the old mailbag. I think, the ends, you know, yeah. Like the Ashley hitter last night. And by the way, as we talked about earlier, if you want to keep up with the big recruiting weekend in Tuscaloosa, we've got that running list of visitors thread right there on the round table, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. If you're update, if you're interested in NFL updates on tight alums, we referenced a great update from Charlie Potter there with us earlier on the podcast. So we've got that for you. And certainly as we get you ready for Saturday night's matchup between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Texas A&M Aggies, we'll have all that throughout the week as well. Tim, are we good? You think, I think we, uh, I think we pretty much hit on it. Yeah. We went all over the place today. So, um, looking forward to this weekend's game, pretty good slate. So excited to be a good Saturday, isn't it? It's a great time for football because you got the NFL, you got the NBA start and you got the major league playoffs and you got college football. For me, this is the mecca. This is the prime time where I've always got something to watch, something to something's on TV that I can watch sports related. So looking forward to it. Looking forward. We need to discuss this next week, the Bama basketball season. Really? Excited. Oh, man. Fired up. Yeah, we yeah. need to get, we need to discuss that next week. I'm really excited to see what this group can do. I've been happy with the last two teams. I know last year's kind of disappointed a little bit, but still, you know, had some major moments. Um, so excited about that, but we'll touch on that next week. Yeah. Getting closer to an exhibition matchup. And then before you know it, the regular season will be underway. Another attractive non-conference schedule for Nate Oates, team. And then the sec trending in a positive direction as well. So Tim, we'll do all that next week for Tim Watts, Travis Ryer. Thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, please consider a subscription to the podcast. And if you do that, we would certainly appreciate a rating and a review as well. For Tim Watch, Travis Ryer, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.